Welcome to, well, that fucked me up. It really did. A podcast with Luke Coulson. And Kyle Wise. And each week we're going to be talking to real guests about their amazing, often traumatic, life-changing events. Focusing on stories of survival, hope, and overall triumph. Which is flipping awesome. Yeah. Because we're all about that. We're all about listening to people's stories about adversity and trauma and, and crazy stuff. I think there really is something for everybody. There's many, many topics, many, many guests, people that really have got through uh, some extraordinary things. Please share the love, share the show, get in touch, follow us, subscribe, click. We're trying to make it easy and open for people to discuss things that may normally feel tricky to do so. Um, We've been on an extraordinary journey and we're glad you can join us. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Well, That Fucked Me Up with uh, myself, Luke Coulson. And Kyle Wise. Ah, here we go. Kyle's there. That's exciting. Uh, I'm always saying everything's exciting. This week's guest is Jojo, who is so wonderful. They named her twice. Jojo, hi. How are you? It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Well, thank you for coming on. And um, first and foremost, why don't you take us back as far as you need to go um, and we can dive straight in and we were we can't wait to hear your, your story. So we can, yeah, just dive in and we'll shoot you some questions as we go if we need to. Okay, I'll give you the, the quick, uh, you know, the Coles notes of my war and peace story. How is that? Oh, yeah, that sounds amazing. <laughs> So um, I grew up in deep-seated fear oh. my entire life. My father was killed in an accident, in a uh, trucking accident when I was three. Oof. And through that childhood trauma, um, I basically held on to that through, you know, my entire childhood. It kind of layered through time. Um I also was in a dysfunctional marriage and, you know, when I was in my twenties, I got married and it was uh, to, you know, a a gentleman, we both had the best of intentions, but there was just a lot of emotional baggage on both sides. So there was a lot of stress. I had uh, several head injuries. I had a bicycle accident. I had a lot of um, stuff going on with my dental work, just a lot of trauma to the, to the head. And As time went on, I started getting symptoms, started in my 20s, headaches, migraines, fatigue, um, and it basically just got worse over time. So in my 20s and 30s, um, I had some vertigo, some dizziness in my 30s and 40s. In my 30s, I had my child. Um, And in my 30s and early 40s, everything started kind of hitting a critical mass, So where I had dizziness before, now it was a violent vertigo. Where I had some headaches, now it was a violent migraines. Where I had some fatigue before, now it was debilitating exhaustion. And my world just kept getting smaller and smaller. What had the the doctor set up until that point then? um, You know what? I fell through, I, I, I point it like this. I didn't fall through a crack. I fell through a crater. Like it it was like the Grand Canyon is what I felt through because I would go to the doctor 
and doctors, I should say. There were many doctors that I went to, um, both Western medicine, and then I also did alternative. And um, Western medicine was always, you're stressed, you have hormonal issues, mm. it's giving birth, um, you have an inner ear virus. That was that was a good one. Oh, that yeah. went on for a decade, right? So, you know, it got to the point where they basically said it's emotional. So in my head, I'm thinking I'm causing this. So then you feel like shit, you know, exponentially because you're thinking I'm causing the chaos in my life, in my child's life, in my husband's life. But I kept thinking that there's got to be more to this. In my mm. gut, it was just my brain was not right oh my gosh it was terrifying actually so so this went on for many many years i also had a severe chemical allergy and one day finally it it got to the point where i had to sleep downstairs i couldn't do the stairs anymore they my my brain just couldn't take in the information if i was downstairs in the open concept room it was big it was just like it was too much information for my brain to take in if I tried to do a task, I can remember trying to sweep and I'm holding the broom and I'm looking at the floor and I'm, I'm thinking, how do I hold the broom and sweep and move my body at the same time? Oh, wow. I couldn't figure oh. out how I was going to do that. Wow. So I was thinking there's there's something definitely wrong. The, do- the doctors weren't listening. At this point, um, some people closest to me started saying, it is all in your head. You are, you know. Maybe you are crazy. So all the while I'm trying to be super mom, right? Because this is what we do as parents. Um, So I felt the pressure of that. uh, And my world just kept getting smaller and smaller. I started sleeping on a chaise lounge in the the first floor. And I would, this this is going to get, we're going to get close tonight. Okay, guys? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Please. Um, I had to use a bucket quite often because I couldn't stand and I couldn't walk to the bathroom. That was literally 20 steps away. Oh my God. So on good days, I would use a chair as a walker to help me over there on bad days without anyone knowing I would use a bucket, crawl to the back door, get rid of what I had to get rid of. And I thought this, this can't go on. No one's believing me. There's it was, it was horrific. So long and short, one day I woke up and it wasn't a matter of, I can't walk well. Now it's, I can't get out of bed. I can't lift my head. I can't lift my limbs because every time I did, it was like my brain was falling out of my head. It was violent, violent. So when I say to people, I was bedridden, they go, Oh, you were tired. You couldn't get up. You were weak. No. Mm. What was happening was at this point when I would try to get up, my body was like a rag doll. So my brain, we know this now, my brain could not communicate to my limbs. My limbs could not communicate to my brain what needed to happen. So when I would try and stand, everything would just go limp. I was finally diagnosed with a vestibular disorder. Whoa. Do either of you know what vestibular is? No, and thank, and thank you for telling us right now. Most people don't. <laughs> yeah. Most people don't until it goes wrong. That's when you find it. So your vestibular system is basically um, a part of your colloquial system deep in your inner ear and in the inner part of the brain that basically is constantly sending signals to your brain 
about adjusting. So where you are in space and time. So if you move your arm, your vestibular system is sending a signal to your brain saying, balance her out. Oh, wow. So if I moved my pinky, I would feel violent vomiting. I would have insane vertigo. That's why my brain felt like it was coming out of my head. And if I looked outside, if a tree had leaves that were moving, if a squirrel darted, God forbid there was a fly in the room. Because my brain, my eyes, I couldn't. It was oh so much information. So it was like, do you remember when we used to have the good old-fashioned TVs that you had to I change? I do. Them? I do. And that UHF? <clears throat> yes. Or that UHF channel. <clears throat> sometimes <clears throat> it was a yep. snow screen, right? Yes. That's all you saw was the snow. Fuzz. Yeah. The signal was not clear. So that's the best way to describe what was happening happening to my brain is the signal was not clear. So the littlest thing, that fly in the room, my brain was couldn't comprehend what was going on. This was an ocular vestibular disorder. So in actual fact, a third of my vestibular system, part of my brain died. Wow. As a result, I was bedridden for, for over 1,460 days. So I had to basically learn to multitask again, learn to move, to walk, to sit all over again. And it's basically like rehabilitating the brain after a stroke. Yes. Have you heard of neuroplasticity? Yes. Love neuroplasticity. That's why I can sit here with you today. No way. So basically neuroplasticity, the basis of it is that the brain is in fact not hardwired. We can teach a new part of the brain to take on a new task. Mm. So it's absolute small, minuscule movements repeated over long periods of time. So it was over a year before I could sit up, stand up. Um, So it was in that 1,460 days, plus, 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 because Mm. it was a little more than that, I lost everything I knew myself to be in, in, in to be a part of. Wow. Um, my marriage dissolved. Uh, my marriage of 23 years dissolved. Um, people fell away like leaves off a tree. I lost my business. I lost finance. Um, I lost my dignity. Obviously, I used a bucket for four years. Wow. I had caregivers uh, by my side. Uh, it was it was devastating, and I wanted to take my life one night. Wow! I laid there, and I thought, I my son at the time, he was going into grade nine when I was bedridden. I was so involved. it was nine, ten, mm. eleven, twelve. It was his high school years, and it was I believe twenty thirteen. And the caregivers, I was sleeping downstairs by myself. Obviously, the caregiver and my son were upstairs, and they had mistakenly. Um, left a bottle of Tylenol beside the bed. And it was it was always a rule, do not leave anything like that beside the bed. That was something that I always said because I felt vulnerable to it. So I said, screw this. This is, this is too hard. The pain, it was debilitating migraines. When I started the rehab, I could only take two to three minutes of rehab a day because the pain... And the violent illness after was was too much. So I, I thought, how am I ever going to do this? Wow. I can't do this. I've lost everything. Wow. 
I don't have the strength to carry on. And I went to take the, the pills and there was a, a light that came from the front window and it, I don't know if it was a moonbeam. I don't know if it's a headlight. I don't know what it was, but it shone on what I called my inspiration wall. And my inspiration wall was in front of the bed and it was full of inspirational memes that people gave me mm. for me to focus on because that's all I had 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year was to look at this wall and it shone on my son's picture. Wow. And I thought, well, clearly I have some work to do here, so it's not time to go. I threw the bottle of Tylenol as far as I could across the room. And I thought, okay, now what? Mm. So as everything was falling apart, and I I, want to point out something that I'm just realizing, and I'm going to try not to get emotional when I say this. Where I am doing uh, this podcast right now, sitting in this chair, Yeah. this wall, I call it my firewall because my bed actually sat exactly in this spot for wow. four years. Oh my gosh. How does that feel? Gosh. And this wall, while I was losing everything, while um, they were trying to diagnose me, while I was trying to find a way to take the next breath. I couldn't let go, guys. I couldn't let go. I was so terrified of the future. The fear that had been in me my entire life was bubbling over exponentially. So I would shake so bad in the bed that the practitioners would actually have to lay on me to try and get me to stop shaking. I clawed the wall to the drywall screws with my bare hands trying to hold on to something, something reminiscent of what I knew. Oh my God. Because it was like watching your entire world burn to the ground. So this this wall was actually destroyed. And God bless my son, who is now about to graduate as an engineer from university this month. Um, He repaired the wall. Him and his beautiful love of his life painted it for me. It is my firewall. So this is where I sat for these years. Mm. And as I, as I was going through it all, I was gifted five words by a dear friend. And they were trust, acceptance, gratitude, commitment, and liberation. Mm-hmm. And he said, Jojo, make those words your own. Mm. Find the meaning and get strength from it. Wow. And I looked at them and I said, what the... How am I supposed to do it? Right? Just more shit on my to-do list today. It's what it came down to. That's funny. And I thought, really? You know, I I actually also had um, a conversation with Patch Adams, who uh, I just, to me, he's the Beatles. Mm. He is just the bee's Mm. knees to me. So I had a conversation with him. I, I won't get into the long story about it. But at the end of it, he said, Jojo, I'm going to leave you with a prescription. And I thought, (laughs) here we go. Now we're talking. Now someone's (laughs) going to tell me how to do this. And he said, take charge of your response to it all. Wow. So I thought, okay, I got take charge of your response to it all. And I got trust, acceptance, gratitude, commitment, and liberation. I don't know what the hell to do with them. I'm sticking them on the wall. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to keep doing my Mm rehab. And it got to the point, guys, where... It was so difficult to breathe through the pain, the physical pain. It was so hard to breathe through the emotional anguish of losing everything, of not being able to be a, you know, 
the, the mom that I had always been to my son, um, using a bucket and absolutely losing all dignity. Mm. I thought, what, why is this happening? Yeah. And all of a sudden, everyone kept coming to my bed saying, Jojo, I hope you get better. Yeah. I hope your brain rehabilitates. I hope your life turns around. And every time they said it, I felt like a wounded, bloody animal at yeah. the side of the road, waiting for the mercy of somebody to come and save me. And the word hope is what was the catalyst for me to start exploring the first word of trust. Because, I mean, say the word hope. Does it not feel bloody hopeless to you? Like, yes. oh, it's so oppressive, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, oh, uh, you know, it's lethargic, it's heavy, yeah. it's empowering. Say the word trust. Trust is strong, it is powerful, it is affirming, and it is positive. Mm. And I thought, okay, here we go. I'm delving into these words. So I started thinking about trust, acceptance, gratitude, commitment, and liberation. And um, in my book, I delve into those words deeper, and, and I tell you the meaning that I found. But basically, I realized I was in a labyrinth of self-discovery in this bed. This was going to be my hatchery. This was going to be my rebirth. And the universe had some sort of divine plan. Wow. I couldn't see it. I didn't understand it. And some days it pissed me off that I was even a part of it. But I kept trusting. And really through through the journey of the bed, the rehabilitation, I rebirthed and found out that the peace that I was always seeking was deep within. It always was. Wow. I realized I was a beautiful soul once I took the falsehoods and the, the old stories that I had been carrying a lifetime once I shed those and just started embracing my vulnerability, mm. saying, you know what? My life is effed up right now, and it's okay. Wow. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And I opened my heart to forgive the people and the situations that I had believed had been done against me. And it was really through opening my heart, being vulnerable, and embracing love and forgiveness, loving myself, that I'm truly living my best life now. And, and I now call those five words as my five pillars of transformation. And it's the work that I, I teach people now. That's amazing. So there's my Cole's notes. Well, you know, <laughs> it's incredible. I have a few off the bat questions, which are from a more practical standpoint, which was there must have been times where you thought you were dying. You're speaking of before I was diagnosed. Yes, before you were diagnosed. That must have before been so I scary. Diagnosed, I thought I was losing my mind. Oh, wow. I thought I was losing my mind because people had me convinced that I was crazy. Oh, my gosh. And, you... Sorry, Kyle. Oh, no, sorry. I, I just wanted to uh, piggyback on that. But did you feel validated when you got a diagnosis? Vindication, baby, vindication. <laughs> That's a great question, Kyle. You must have kind of wanted to say to everybody, I told you so. <laughs> I told you. That's why I always say to people, be your own advocate. Mm. Um, but going back to your, your first question, uh, Luke, absolutely, I felt like I was dying a little more each day within me. My spirit was dead. 
I've always been the jokester, the practical joker, the one that's full of beans and getting the party started. Uh, that was long gone. Um, I always kind of was the one with the sparkle in my eye. And, um, you know, you, you can tell, you know, when someone is well through their eyes yes. or when they're not. Yes. Um, my eyes look dead. They look like two vast pools of nothing. Oh, my gosh. And I just thought this was going to be my existence until one day I stopped breathing. Wow. Um, I was existing day to day. I had this great farce that I had going on in terms of my son because I didn't want him to worry. Um, this, you know, for years, years, you know, 10, 11 years old, um, he'd say, oh, mommy, are you going to work today? And I'd say, oh, no, I'm staying home to do taxes today. I'm mm. going to work on paperwork today. Wow. He would leave, and I would just die on the couch. Oh, I would die on the couch. And quarter to three, I thought, okay, here comes act two. Here we go. So I'd put a bunch of file folders on the table. Oh. I'd put staplers and old-time calculators on the table. Wow. And, uh, you know, he'd come in. He'd say, mommy, how was your day? Oh, goodness, so tired. I was oh, working. my gosh. So you're putting on this that- act to protect him from the, from the truth, really. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. And in terms of Kyle, your, your second question of did I feel – um, vindicated. Absolutely. You know, uh, when I was being tested, I was tested by, uh, I'm from Toronto, Canada, and I was tested by uh, U of T Faculty of, of Neuroscience. They have a vestibular PhD specialist, and he actually goes to war zones, so Kuwait and, and yeah. uh, Iran, Iraq, and he goes to MASH units, and he uses his technology on traumatic brain injury um, uh, soldiers. So he came to the house because it's portable equipment. And he had looked at, my husband was still here at the time. And he said, your, your wife is very ill. Wow. She's not well. And this is going to take a long time. Oh and God. if I could have danced on the table, I would. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I, I barely lifted my hand in one of those. I told you I was sick. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so was he the person that diagnosed you then? Uh, yes, wow. he diagnosed me. And then I had the most amazing team that came into my life serendipitously. I, I knew I had to piece together my wellness. So I had um, this PhD vestibular specialist who diagnosed me. Then I ended up getting the top vestibular rehabilitative specialist in Ontario. His name is June Na from Cornerstone Rehab. I'm shouting out, baby. Do it. He's the best. Do it. Um, I had the best uh, osteopath in Toronto. Her name is Catherine Liberatore of Live Well Health. Uh, phenomenal. I had Peter Gabysells, Dr. Peter Gabysells, chiropractor extraordinaire from Toronto. Uh, I just, and, and I then started working, uh, after I was out of the bed for the past four years, I've been working with a, um, actually an intuitive healer, Gavin Ashley, who just brings everything to the, to the highest level. So I, I've had, I've been incredibly blessed, even though it was hell getting to the diagnosis. It's like, once I got there, just the goodness started coming. Yeah, I can, I'm, I'm, I'll. I'm slightly fixated on that, not knowing, and, and I, I, I just think your, your story is incredible. How do you feel overall, like holistically, about 
what happened to you? Like, how do you... We speak, we've spoken to a lot of people over many episodes. People have been in accidents, people who have escaped things, people have narrowly missed something could have been, could have been wor- worse. People, t- you are very positive. You have these words of affirmation and you have these words to live by. And how do you feel about this whole experience? And you're saying you're living your best life now. What, how does oh it make you feel? Guys, and now, I mean, um, I feel like the most incredibly blessed woman and not just because I sit before you and my brain is solid and, you know, I can put my arms out and not fall over. I feel blessed for the bed years. I feel so incredibly fortunate that I spent 1,460 days in a bed where I could peel back all the crap and I could get to my heart and soul. And let my spirit just blossom. And I, to me, when I speak of gratitude as one of the five pillars, I explain to people, gratitude for me isn't about the fun, happy, warm, fuzzy days. It's not, okay, I'm breathing and the birds are chirping and I have friends and family that love me. That's great. Gratitude on every, any level is wonderful. But it's not where the magic happens. The magic happens when you can be in the shit store and be grateful for it because you know there is a blessing on the other side. And it's reformulating your hurdle into a gateway. And to me, I bless that hurdle because I was a a mere shadow of, of myself back then. Now I'm living big. I'm large. I'm a whole lot of woman and I claim it. I own it. I don't talk with shame of my past. My past is what helped bring me here. The bed is what helped bring me here. That illness was a catalyst. It was not a catastrophe. It It was a blessing. It's amazing. It sounds like it on, it sounds like you had a lot of trauma locked in that this whole process you know, allowed you to make this recovery, this slow, this slow recovery of all those, all those many, many days in bed. What, what others might just do a couple of uh, therapy sessions for, <laughs> which probably wouldn't work as well. But it's amazing that you've taken that out. That you're seeing the bed, as you call them, the bed days, as as a kind of a necessary thing that's got you to this place. I, I, in my book, I, I describe that time in the bed and the bed itself. I'm, I'm still freaked out when I look at the wall behind me and think yeah. where I am. But um, I think of the bed as my hatchery. That's where that's wow. where I broke open and started to shine. Two two things, if you don't mind. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so polite, Kyle. The uh, one. So can you talk about like your first day out? Like when you're, you got the clean bell of health and you're like walking around town, you know, can you talk about that? And then kind of what inspired you to write your book? I mean, obviously the events, but like what led up to you writing and saying, I need, I have a story and I want to share this. Well, you know what? Um, okay. The, the first question was my first day out. So you have to remember that this happened over a long period of time. Mm. So it's, 
standing. It's taking steps. It's going to the front door and opening it, but whoa, that's a lot of information. So it's too much for the brain. So what would happen is I would get brain burned. So it's so much information coming in. The brain just, it, it, it burns out and says, you know what, go back to the bed, go back to what you know, and let us settle down. So I will tell you um, the first time that I stepped outside in four years. Yeah. It was surreal because wow. all I felt was this vastness of space. Yeah. Because you have to remember, it, it was like living with, with someone's hand squishing me down, right? There's a ceiling here. And you don't realize when you go outside this incredible vastness of space. And, and I just felt like I could fly. It wow. was, and I couldn't stop looking at the sun. I stuck with actually Dr. Peter, one of, one of the practitioners. Um, I'm a, I'm a nature baby. I'm an earth baby. Mm. I ground every day. Mm. I grew up in a, in a manure pile at my grandparents' garden center. Um, so he got a container of dirt and stuck my feet in them. And I laid back and I just looked at the vastness and it was overwhelming. Wow. It was absolutely overwhelming. Um, I will tell you the, the first time I went, I went out, I guess you call it on a night out, uh, <laughs> which was in 20, 2017. So I was in bed 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16. Mm. My first evening out I took, um, I like to call him, you know, one of my little brothers. Uh, he's a year younger than me, but we went to school together. We went to elementary school together. His name is Louis J. Manzo, a uh, human extraordinaire. <laughs> so I was invited to the opening of a, um, my friends, uh, uh, she had like a, an event um, hall that she was opening. It was a big deal, big schmozzy deal, right? So I said, ask your wife if you can be my plus one, because I'm going to this shindig. It's the first time I've been out in, in almost 10 years because I wasn't going out before the, the mm. bed. And I went and I just, you, you just, you, you feel like, you feel like a little kid, you know, in, you know, uh, in, I guess, Disney World or something. Yeah. And you're just aw. So wow. I'm, I'm looking and I'm like, wow, I'm a part of something. Yeah. I'm a part of something. And that was incredible to be a part of something. And then I actually, um, before that, I, I have to say, I did go to my son's graduation, his high school graduation at that point. Um, I was brought in by wheelchair. I was only there for a few minutes because my brain couldn't take it, but I was there long enough to see him on the stage. And again, it was a surreal moment to, to be a part of something instead of, I was FaceTimed for everything. We'll put a link to... Um we can put any links that you like on the copy art on the podcast and um, when we when we go live with your episode but let's talk about the the book and to Carl's question what made you feel like I'm going to write I got to write a book about this so I wrote my book my missing piece what I um, learned while bedridden for over 1460 days and the reason I wrote it when I was in the bed and, and I started working on the pillars. When I got to gratitude, I thought, okay, there's got to be a reason for this. There's got to be, because this is not going to be it, right? Yeah. I'm not going to be defined as the woman whose husband left her while she was using a bucket by the bed, not being able to move and losing everything. Nah, it's not going to go down. 
So I knew that this was about gaining wisdom, gaining knowledge, rebirthing, really figuring out life yeah. in the bed. And everyone kept saying to me, because when I was in the bed, I would counsel other people. They would call me for help. And, and you know, I'm, I'm there kind of, my life is a shambles, but I was trying to help them. And, and I was trying to be this positive um this positive force. Yeah. So they said, Jojo, you got to write a book. And immediately I said, because this is old thinking, these are old falsehoods, things that, that just are told to us when we're young and we attach ourselves to them or we let them attach to us. And all of a sudden they become our false truth. And I thought, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to university. I don't, I can't, I failed grade 12 English for God's sake. <laughs> I, there's no way I can write a book. And then I started thinking about it more and it just, I'm, I, I would get quiet and I would just wait for the universe to kind of give me clues as to what I was supposed to be doing. So when I was in the bed, I was finally able to hold a pen and paper and I started writing, mm. but not, journaling not by any stretch because mm. i'm not that disciplined but i would just as a thought would come up which was usually at two o'clock in the morning it would just start to pour out of me and then i started posting my thoughts mm. my inspirational you know thoughts my belief on life and love mm. and forgiveness on gratitude on perseverance on looking to nature to guide you for answers that you just can't see uh, the power of the universe. And the more I wrote, the more people wanted. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, I'm, maybe I'm supposed to be writing a book. Uh, then I thought, well, maybe I'm going to write something and it's going to be my legacy that I'll leave my son and maybe, you know, grandchildren or, you know, whoever wants to read it at some point, it'll sit on the shelf in my, in my home. And um, then I was inspired by a friend, Noel Martin, who had written his book. Uh, he was also not formally educated. He was in his seventies and he said, Jojo, if I can do it, you can let mm. him go write the book, write mm. the book. Mm. So I began, I wrote it and it was an incredibly cathartic experience. Um, it was really about, you know, barfing it all out for yeah. lack of a, of a nicer, classier term. Uh, it was really about just getting it all out from, from the pit of my stomach, saying what I had to say, um, and really claiming my life as, as a victor through love and gratitude and embracing peace, not as a bitter woman mm. who was angry about all the shit that she had gone through. And um, it it just flowed out of me. It, it felt very natural. Um, and I, I know that spreading my message is my passion. It is my purpose. It is my work going forward. It's to me, it's very evident and it feels very natural. This is what I feel like I've always been meant to do. It's amazing. Wow. That's so great. Um, but uh, you know what you said about like being, bitter you could have gone down that road you could have you could have been like well why did that why did that happen to me and I'm just gonna sit and dwell on that forever and the fact that you had this this but this rebirth it's so inspiring thank you for telling yeah. us your story Kyle any more 
words of wisdom. No, I just like I love your vibe. Like it's <laughs> it's so awesome. <laughs> you know, you, you can tell when some people have gone through th- through some things, and maybe they're still dealing with the remnants of it. But you have this 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 story, and then it's like you, it's just like it just happened, and you're telling it just so candidly, and it's amazing. You know what, guys? It's I've done the scared, fearful, shameful, um, small life stuff. Mm. Um, I've held bitterness. I've held anger. Uh, I've held resentment. Mm. And you know what? It feels like hell. Yeah. And it will eat you up and it will steal your life every moment of every day. And for me, I live a life of gratitude. Now, uh, let me put a disclaimer here. I'm always about um, living perfectly imperfectly. Mm. This is not to say that my life is, you know, butterflies and unicorn, you know, uh, 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 stuff. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I embrace and be vulnerable. I accept myself as I am each day. Some days, you know. I'm yeah. feeling strong. Some days I'm not. I go, you know what? It's okay. It's okay to not be okay. I use my pillars. I get back on the horse. But you know what? I'm all about, if it's not about love, it ain't worth doing. Forgiveness, it's the most healing thing we can do. And, you know, we all can attain inner peace. Um, in my book, my, my Missing piece. I talk about how I did it. My book is not a step-by-step but it is a book made to inspire, to let everybody know the possibility is within you. It always has been because it always simply begins with you. That's where we're going to end because how could we possibly not end there? (laughs) We have to end there. (laughs) Um, We have to, we have to. Um, Jojo, thanks for coming on. Um, As mentioned, we'll post some links. Um, We'll do some, we'll do some promotional stuff on the wording about your book as well. And um, hopefully we'll have another check-in at some time in the not-too-distant future. You know what? This has been my my honor, my blessing. I'm so grateful. You guys have amazing energy. Um, and I, I would love to come back and talk to you about anything. Anything. Yeah. You guys are just real cool.